Welcome to the podcast Friends of Ilumos. This is the second episode recorded in January 2021. Our guests are Patrick Mooney, Michael Dexter, Till Wegmüller, Hans Rosenfeld and Volker Brandt. I'm Thomas Wagner and your host. In this episode number two, we talk about virtualization with Beehive on BSD and why it's available on Illumos. A new Beehive feature will be VertFS to eliminate the need for nested file systems. Then we get an idea of the Beehive design principles and why guests get such an amazing performance compared to bare metal. Finally, we talk on what should help developing the Illumos community and why cloud providers integrate FreeNAS for their customers and how brilliant the open source community around OpenCFS is. If you like this podcast, then please do spread the word on your preferred social media channels. If you like, then add this podcast feed to your favorite podcatcher. Please write an email with your suggestions for new topics and amazing guests to friendsofillumos at gmail.com. And now, please enjoy! I'm Thomas, I'm the host of the podcast Friends of Elomos, and we have some topics and we have some interesting guests. We have Patrick Mooney for Beehive, we have Michael Dexter for a special aspect of Beehive, Virtufes, we have uh, Hans Rosenfeld and we have Till from Switzerland, but working in South America at the moment. So we are a real uh, international podcast at the moment. I would like to ask uh, Patrick Mooney to talk a little bit about Beehive, what's new with it, um, maybe a larger uh, parts of the project ahead, which are still to be done. Thank you for listening. And uh, Patrick. Sure. Um, I'm Patrick Mooney. Uh, I'm currently working at Oxide Computer, uh, formerly at Joint. Um, it was at Joint where uh, myself and Hans and some other folks worked on porting Beehive into Illumos. Uh, formerly, Illumos simply had KVM as its uh, primary hardware virtualization uh, platform. Um, but uh, starting there, I think in 2018, we worked on porting Beehive to SmartOS. Um, and kind of a, a recent development there over the past year, we've gotten that finally upstreamed uh, into Illumos so that it can make it uh, into the other platforms. Uh, I know that OmniOS had pulled it from SmartOS, but we finally, uh, kind of spring of 2020, got it pulled in. Um, and have continued iterating there on um, kind of building out the feature set, um, fixing bugs in it. Uh, a, a focus of mine recently has been working on trying to get a Rust-based user space built for Beehive on Illumos. Um, it's kind of still in the prototype phases, so it's, it, it isn't public yet, but the, the idea is that like 
um, all that other work that that will be out and open source hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. If if we I think we could uh, just do a, um, a pass on to Michael Dexter to complete the introduction uh, of the people on the podcast. Of course, hello. My name is Michael Dexter. I was user zero on Beehive many years ago. I organize BeehiveCon, a conference about not only Beehive but other non-Linux and proprietary hypervisors. And I've, for about two years, organized Beehive calls now every week. And I have, I suppose, used Sun OS in some way since about uh, 1991. I, I know that the topic of the hour is VertFS, and that has been uh, a top priority for me because as a ZFS storage support provider, I really do not want to see any more nested file systems where you take, uh, say, ext4 and possibly put it on vmfs and then terminate that with with zfs and you have just so many opportunities for trouble yeah, doing so right. thank you um, we have till yeah i'm till i'm part of the lumos community since five plus years now uh been doing mostly work more up the application stack with Golang, um, but also working with Rust and the par other projects, and always interested in getting Go to work uh, on Illumos and working with, well, the newest uh, things in containerization in also the other, well, the other foundation projects that are around. Okay. Then we have Hans. Yeah, hi. So this is Hans Rosenfeld. Uh, I'm an Illumos developer. Uh, currently between jobs, I used to be a giant uh, where I was working on Beehive with uh, Patrick and on whatever random driver stuff came up. And um, before that, I was at TechCenter. I was pretty much doing uh, the same old driver stuff. And uh, most recently, I've also dabbled in... in more user space code like uh, porting LLDB and things like that. Okay, thank you. And we have Volker, is uh, an audience guest, and I'm sure he has some questions later on. Volker. <laughs> Hello, I'm Volker. I have been uh, using Unix since the early 80s. I grew up on BSD Unix. My first Solaris contact was Solaris 2.5 without the dot one at the end. And uh, my brother and I have been working in the Solaris ecosphere ever since. And we are interested in the Lumos infrastructure. And uh, we are using all three distributions, uh, OmniOS, Open Indiana, and SmartOS. And since I'm not a kernel hacker, I would like to uh, do other things, promote Lumos, and uh, help others do their work. Thank you. Okay, back to Patrick. So we can get a nice general overview of Beehive, what what you can do with it at the moment, and um, maybe if there are some examples what people already do with Beehive in maybe a large uh, installation. Sure. As far as um, what it can do, it's it's pretty similar to uh, KVM on Illumos. Uh, when when Joint put the effort into porting it over, the idea was that we wanted 
a stable, high-performance hypervisor for running application VMs for, for workload that um, either someone wanted to run a Linux application or, or Windows, um, but kind of manage it on their SmartOS or Lumos uh, platform. So that was kind of the original target, and it, it does that pretty well. The, the disk performance is, is pretty good. The network performance is pretty good. Um, I know there's been other work around that to enable PCI pass-through and things of that nature. Um, I, I think that has seen less testing and polish, but there are certainly folks who are experimenting with that and using that. Um, but that's kind of the, the primary driver for that has been just a stable, well-performing uh, hypervisor platform for, for workloads. Mm -hmm. Well, what can Beehive do better than KVM? Is there something which uh, which can be explained in, in in a few sentences? Sure. I, part of the part of the challenge of Illumos KVM is that uh, that porting work was done quite a while ago, um, and the version of KVM that is present in Illumos is quite old. So it really hasn't kept up in terms of features. Um, it's still using a very old version of Kimu as the user space component, which is doing device emulation. Um, so the, the performance simply isn't there with the version of KVM and the version of Kimu that we have on Illumos. So with Beehive, um, being that it is uh, BSD licensed, we can actually include it directly in our tree. It can integrate more tightly with the system. So in the case of the emulated network interfaces, it's, it's integrated very tightly with the, with the Illumos network stack so we can get much better performance there. Um, it, it, and being that it is newer, um, it is simply, it, it has uh, many more of the, the CPU hardware features integrated into it so that it performs better. Things like APIC virtualization on Intel um, has pretty marked performance improvements over not having it on. Mm -hmm. So, so there are large installations where Beehive is doing the hard work at the, already. Uh, yeah, I mean that there are. I know there are folks in the community running kind of commercial workload on top of it. Um, Joint, I believe, had a bunch of customers who were running workload on Beehive. People use it for development reasons. Um, so yeah, it's, it's for the folks that were running virtualized workloads on Illumos, um, I think many have, have made that switch just because, the, because of the, the performance benefits. Mm -hmm. uh, is it easy to use Beehive? If I think in, uh, about SmartOS, you would have VM ADM create something and uh, give the type uh, Beehive. Is it that easy? Yeah, it, it, the it, at least on SmartOS, the idea was that basically all you would have to do is is change the the instance type that you were creating. All of the interfaces remain the same there. Mm -hmm. Well, what if I am running a KVM at the moment? Um, is there a, a, a transition work to do to get it run on Beehive? I know the the in terms of images, we tried to make it such that the same image that one might create a KVM instance with could create a Beehive image. I haven't looked at what the migration is like between those. Um, in, in the case of Joint, 
Um, migration between those instances generally wasn't a target for us. Being a being a cloud provider, um, yeah. it was expected that folks would just create a new instance of the new type with a new image. So, yeah. I, I, get, yeah. the, I, I think there are folks who have done that manually, but there, there, I don't believe there was work to make it um, polished and automated. Uh, I've did it manually in Open Indiana. We have a zone type for KVM and a zone type for Beehive. Um, and for some reason, I have hardware that is a little bit too old for Beehive. Uh, so I had to switch back to KVM. And for me, it was literally just switching the zone type from Beehive to KVM. And then it worked. That's great. Yes, that is something I would like to ask. Um, the problem I see with Beehive is that it's quite picky in terms of which CPUs you can use. For people who have commercial workloads, uh, they just deploy it on new hardware and it'll work. But for those of us following at home or the casual hacker who just has a certain set of older hardware, it's sometimes difficult to actually determine whether Beehive will even work on his hardware. So is there a, uh, are, there any, are you aware of any plans that uh, maybe the CPU support will be broadened a bit, or at least that there will be a test tool that it, it'll make it easy to find out if Beehive is supported. Uh, a, a, a test tool is is more likely in terms of broadening support. That the, the the gist of why Beehive is is pickier is that Beehive doesn't implement some of the older emulation for uh, specifically Intel CPUs that lacked unrestricted guest, basically the ability to run the guest in, in real mode. Um, that was something they added around, I think it was Nalem or Westmere, um, that made it much much easier for the hypervisor, because prior to that, Kimu would actually have to do a bunch of the actual x86 emulation while the machine was in those modes. So I, I don't expect that we will broaden it to those older chips simply because uh, it would make Beehive much more complex. That that was some of the advantage of Beehive was that in issuing support for those older chips, it meant that a, a bunch of the, the code didn't need to be there. You know, with Beehive, because it requires EPT or, or AMD's RVI for nested page tables, it means that Beehive just simply doesn't have a page table shadowing implementation which makes it much simpler and easier to work on. Beehive and AMD? What, what, what do you mean by that? Well, where, where's, where's the threshold? Uh, how far back do you think uh, Beehive may support AMD CPUs? And actually, what is the current status of the, for example, Ryzen? I'm actually support? running Beehive on an old AMD bulldozer system. So it goes pretty far back. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is working on Ryzen. Um, there there's certainly not... Beehive isn't to feature parity in terms of AMD versus Intel, um, but there's active work to, to close that gap. It, it does run. It's just that some of the, the more advanced features like uh, AMD's equivalent for the uh, um, interrupt controller virtualization hasn't been implemented in Beehive yet, but it does run. So we can expect some more uh, features coming in the future. Yes. Yes. I mean, it, it, yeah. As you see, AMD chips have been quite popular recently. Um, so I think it's safe to say that that popularity will, will result in more focus on making the Beehive experience there better. Nice.
Okay, so we are looking at the future of Beehive. Uh, are there any any larger parts still to be done for Beehive, or is it um, almost complete now? I mean, it it depends on on what you call complete. There are if if it means in terms of device emulation there's a bunch of work that one could go do to add new devices that they want i know that pci pass through on amd basically isn't implemented at all on lumos um so there are areas where there is still work to do it's it's about how those things are prioritized what what those features mean to people mhm okay so we have WordFS. Maybe Michael can talk yes, a little indeed. bit about it. I'm happy to chime in, and I will support some of Patrick's points that the hardware support has always been the fundamental trade-off of Beehive and the completely emulation-free approach to the greatest extent possible, relying on Vert.io and the extended page tables and hardware CPU support, allowed it to be very small and very capable and very performant from the start. And one point that gets lost is that we've seen vulnerabilities in like the QEMU floppy driver, which statistically no one's using, but it does provide an attack vector. And just this week, comparing it to Zen on the same hardware, I found that just watching the, the slow boot, thanks to emulated BIOS, it, it's a very tangible, important factor. So uh, I have seen on OmniOS there was a hardware detection tool that verified that EPT is is uh, enabled, but I think you can simply look for pop count in a D message output. But anyway, about VertFS, as I touched on in my intro, is that Uh, it is it is simply dangerous to nest file systems, in my humble opinion, and that's based on about eight or so years of seeing Z ZFS in production. And it can work great until it doesn't, and it's the that that false sense of security that is one of my top concerns. And thanks to say zones and and jails on FreeBSD you've often had a sort of super chirrut way to run a, a contained system long before we called them containers. And when you take an environment like Illumos or FreeBSD with native, effectively native root on ZFS and native institutionalized containers and the true gem of all that boot environments, The idea that you can completely blur and the notion of a a container versus a VM and effectively boot a, a boot environment as a zone, as a virtual machine, all with basically the, the narrowest possible gap between the host and the guest, I've found very, very useful. And uh, a bit about VertFS, you may... But you might very well be using it without knowing it because the most recent uh, Microsoft Windows services for for Linux is using VertFS to deliver a, a local Linux file system that is as transparent as possible to the to the user. Now, uh, 
VertFS is unique in that the the burden is on the client rather than the server. So at this very moment, FreeBSD has a, a rudimentary server that allows for effective single guest use, even root on VertFS, but not very good parallel use. There's room for improvement there, and the folks at Juniper have produced a client that uh, could use some attention, but there will always be uh, oh, POSIX compliance issues and file system peculiarities to worry about. But nonetheless, uh, I, I do see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel on this whole notion of, say, booting a Linux or native, of course, Lumos or FreeBSD, and maybe eventually, if Microsoft goes that route, a guest OS that per potentially is completely proprietary, but is hosted on native ZFS. And then you just eliminate so many potential problems with the at the file system level, because despite, say, Windows having ZFS, and I was the first user to try that on real hardware, I don't know if we will be seeing uh, root on ZFS, and we certainly will not see it blessed by Microsoft. So <laughs> I'm certainly inspired by that hope, if you will. Okay. Yeah, the, this ties a little bit into the work that is currently going on in the OCI Foundation, uh, which is actually uh, currently uh, lead led by a couple of people at Microsoft, funny enough. Um, I don't know how much they want to do with Windows uh, or the thing that should not be named um, in terms of uh, mounting Docker file system or Docker images as root for their platform, but they're definitely talking it uh, in terms of uh, win uh, Linux. So there is work currently at the moment going on into mounting the Docker image and currently downloading it. And I find that also very interesting in terms of containerization, where you have these huge repositories of images that you just download on the fly to a ZFS file system and then you present basically an interface to the VertFS guest that says like, hey, this is your root. Go and boot it. Exactly. How, how many people are working on Beehive? Uh, I'm, I'm looking towards are these enough people? So is, uh, can the workload be taken? Or is there a desire for experienced programmers joining? I mean, I, I think in many places there's always room for more hands on a task. And having just listened to your last episode, you, uh, the various guests correctly pointed out that the review process is often a blocking process because there are not many subject matter experts in free software, open source hypervisors, especially as tied to projects. So that's a motivator for me, fostering intercommunication between different efforts, because there are, again, so few of us. And I guess we all have to help out those doing the work as best we can, be it provide what review we can, what testing we can, and encourage them to communicate their needs. Heaven forbid a developer not have the hardware to test a feature they're working on and uh, we all have to just pitch in as best we can 
So is the Illumos Beehive still a true downstream from FreeBSD, or are they more more or less becoming peers? Uh, that, that one's a little bit complicated. Um, certainly, in terms of the user space, it's still mostly a downstream. Um, for the, the kernel portions of it, we've diverged a little bit, just kind of fixing things as we've wanted to fix them in our own way and, and making enhancements. So uh, a little of both, really. Okay, fair enough. Okay, what would be a starting point for someone um, with the experience if he wants to look into Beehive um, code? I mean, hopping in on the mailing lists or, or just taking a swing at, at portions they think are, are right for improvement. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Um, Patrick, what was your entry, if I may? Uh, you literally were you know, new to it one morning. Yeah, I mean, we, we it was determined that we wanted to explore porting Beehive to Illumos. Um, I, I, we kind of started with some work that had been done by a company called Pluribus, who had ported it to, I think it was something much closer to OpenSolaris. Um, so the the interfaces they had ported to had, had changed and evolved somewhat. Um, but we, we started with that patch, which was just, I think it was literally a single vCPU support. Um, and then uh, myself and Hans and some other folks brought that essentially up to current with where FreeBSD was, um, because that's, that's what was called for in the moment. So, you know, it's, it is all just software. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Anything to say about Beehive, or can we go to the next topic? Um, Patrick, Has thank you. Has everyone present used it, beyond Patrick and myself? Yes. We have a heavy user of Beehive in the, in the podcast. Well, What, uh, what are you doing with it? Just an example, a short one. Um, I've basically used it to virtualize all my Kubernetes clusters. Um, well, I needed Kubernetes for GitLab integration and I couldn't fast enough get it to run native on Illumos, although I'm quite far with it. Uh, so I figured I want something to play with and I needed something virtualized. So I ended up using these, uh, or actually porting these zones definitions from OmniOS to open Indiana and uh, made some beehive zones and it worked flawlessly. Okay, so does anyone know the current state of beehive on Omnius? It's the first time it isn't. There's, there's, there's a zone brand for it and uh, it works. Okay. M Michael, you said you have an, an Omnius beehive uh, set up for testing. I've been approached by a user using it in production for some old, like, I forget if it was Domino or other classic um, code. And I recently spun it up on the same hardware with raw Windows Server 2019 with FreeBSD Beehive as a reference. And then uh, R30 through R36, uh, let's see, uh, OmniOS CE, 
with completely command line Beehive, just like I did from day one. And the performance was nearly identical across all of those, from bare metal to FreeBSD to uh, OmniOS. So uh, in chasing down performance issues, that was very, very encouraging. So there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the technology. Oh, that's great. Okay, thank you. So I want to go to the next uh, topic, uh, promoting Illumos. Who knows about Illumos? So what can we do to to help the community um, grow? So if if people uh, have tasks to do, which Illumos can do, so that they consider using Illumos or even help uh, with development or so, uh, supporting the community. Michael, you had um, you, you said uh, making uh, conferences um, maybe online uh, these days could help. Yeah. So I'm the outsider here, and somewhat proudly, such that you know, step one, something like this podcast is great, and I did make it to the first Illumos day that became the Open ZFS Developer uh, Summit in San Francisco. I still have some swag from that, and. I am a believer in such events, especially for niche uh, topics or larger-than-they-appear topics, perhaps even best-kept secrets like the Illumos community, so that when, for example, FOSDEM is taking place, I'd hope that there is an Illumos tract or at least a presence of events. And uh, as, I've had to, as I've done with Beehive, I've basically uh, coattailed or piggybacked a conference on top of a larger conference and generally well, the, the hosts have been very welcoming because it brings value to their event and more potential attendees. So in 2022, I don't, don't know what that will look like exactly, but I do encourage you to find opportunities to just declare that you're having a get-together and the, the budgets can be remarkably small when working in the shadow of a larger event. Yeah, uh, for the uh, first time in the past years, we had uh, a table, and every now and then um, a talk uh, about a topic. But um, it's still um, too small. We have to improve that. Yes. Well, yeah, we have definitely have to improve in, in terms of uh, giving giving talks at conferences. In, in Europe, we are currently having two conferences where we usually have an Illumos presence every year, uh, which is FOSDEM, of course, uh, which also serves as kind of a meetup for the European Illumos community. And a much smaller conference in Germany, the Chemnitz Linux Days, which uh, we've been presenting at since, I believe, 2013 or so. So also for a couple of years, we, we already had something there. Of course, there's more to be done, but... Yeah, there's actually also the COSIN, the Chaos Singularity in Switzerland, where I usually every year make one uh, presentation about the Lumos. Uh, it always ends up in the smallest room, but uh, I'll keep doing it. <laughs> well, it's well, the same in Germany with the German Unix users group. I always uh, try to present something in front of the distributions. And uh, there's always some people there who have never heard of it, uh, despite being in the IT business for any number of years. But there's also something else I would like to point out, which is the fact that we need to lower the entry point. What do I mean by that? 
looking at the mailing list, looking at the questions in IRC, it's always the same problem. People cannot install, people don't know how to uh, write to their USB uh, flash devices. Um, people are uh, shocked when they find out that uh, modern graphics chips are not supported. People are okay. uh, sad that their Wi-Fi chips are not supported. And then they say, well, this is not a modern <laughs> system. And then they go away again, which is sad, really, because we have most of this. And there are things that we can do to make it better. For example, we can provide ready-made um, virtual machine images for the major distributions. Um, OmniOS has um, vagrant boxes, which I think is nice. And uh, we should uh, try to broaden this. We should, should try to yeah. uh, provide um, virtual box um, appliances. We should try to provide some, some, okay. uh, some virtual machine images that people can download and run on their hardware, on their already yep. running hardware. Yeah and then try out a uh, virtual machine of, of, of uh, their choice of uh, Lumos distribution. We should try to uh, beef up the hardware compatibility list because people may actually be able to run Illumos, but they look at the hardware list and they see their system is not on there. Volker, Volker, you're qualifying yeah. for writing all this app so that if someone is interested in engaging in the community can pick a topic up. I have been saying he, this he so many times, I'll be happy to write it down. The only oh, question okay. is that I don't really know uh, where to post it or who to send it to. We, we will find a place. Um, actually, the number of VM images has been increasing over the last couple of years. Uh, also on my initiative, uh, we now have a regular background box of Illumos, uh, Open Indiana. I do make a release every month. Uh, I have thus far only skipped one. Um, there is also a script to make background boxes of triplets. I just would need to ask Peter where to release it and make that a little bit more regular. Um, we do have AMIs of OmniOS, and I'm actually running OmniOS on AWS from the official provided AMIs from the OmniOS project. Um, I, ha I did try AMI for uh, Open Indiana, but that is a little bit tricky with the partition formatting. Yes, cloud images are also very good, but what I meant was more for the casual desktop user. For example, if you have a laptop and you have some time to play, then you would like to download a VirtualBox image or a VMware player image, and uh, that's hard to find. Yeah, we. Uh, the thing is, the builder that I'm using could actually export all of that. I just would need to set it up properly for once. Oh, so you've just volunteered. Thank you. Right. And uh, I, I hope that I can uh, put some of the links you, you just provided onto show notes for the podcast. So if someone uh, listens to the recording and wants to follow it, uh, you can find the links. So we will make a, a pad uh, where we collect all those links and I will put this into the show notes. Um, I have Gladly, one last, I have links for all these repos. Two, two last questions. One is, uh, what's what's the Illumos community in the US? And uh, the other thing is, if we have maybe some news to open CFS, um, if someone can say something about this. 
specifically yep. about OpenZFS because I support something called FreeNAS and it's put OpenZFS in the hands of more people than any effort from Sun or Oracle or other distributions combined. So uh, it's it's uh, been that's probably been the the greatest widespread adoption of Sun technologies, and there are just data centers packed with OpenZFS running things like Veeam Backup, and the end user never knows it, but it's absolutely out there. Just wanted to share that. Mm-hmm. Veeam Backup on FreeNAS? Yes, of course. It'll provide NFS or iSCSI and, or SMB, and the, the end user just never knows what's in the cloud provider's infrastructure. The, the, the data stability is there. The licensing is right, and it's been very successful. Yes, I can uh, attest to that. I have been using FreeNAS for quite a number of years. I have now discontinued that because I wanted to cut down on the number of boxes, and I am now using OmniOS for that same uh, purpose. And I can also run zones on the same OmniOS box, so it's not a true blood backup server, uh, but uh, FreeNAS, if you have the need, uh, what um, makes it stand out is the web interface, and I would urge you to try it. Yeah. Okay, so... I will not argue um, with that. Uh, <laughs> thank you. What, what's uh, what's happening on the OpenCFS side at the moment? Are there large projects? Uh, there, there has been a conference, and I remember uh, D-Rate as a very special new disk layout. That is very much coming, and I, having having literally attended that first uh, Open Solaris days, which became Illumos days, which became all these wonderful things, I never thought it would be possible for the different camps to come together the way they have, but they have come together brilliantly. And we have like Brian Bellendorf and Alan Jude and Matt Ahrens, who's been a fantastic leader to thank for just keeping everyone with a, a stable vision and it's resulted in um, and you can see my talk on this from the last developer days on just open ZFS on like eight platforms, seven or eight so that will probably never happen to Beehive by nature because of the, the kernel level complexities but it's 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 just been such a good success story and I think just communicating that at every opportunity at every conference we can is mutually beneficial. Yes, who would have thought that Ubuntu would provide a default desktop installer with CFS? Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. By no means perfect, but it's it's definitely workable and it is true ZFS and you get your snapshots, you get your data protection, you it's, it's all there. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually every once in a while receiving the question, uh, when is Illumos getting OpenCFS 2? Uh, so <laughs> it, it's actually starting to be the other way around where people start yeah. to question me, hey, does Illumos uh, now run OpenCFS? <laughs> it's a valid question. Yeah. <laughs> so what does the community in the US think about Illumos? Uh, how, how are you seeing this? I mean, there are certainly there have been users through through Joint and and other folks um, that continue to use it. Um, I'm not certain, kind of how formal the community is relative to Europe or other places, but um, continues to see use. Uh, I, I think that the topic of integrating 
the, the OpenZFS work into Illumos is certainly an interesting one. Um, it's, it's going to be some effort to do that in a way that I think uh, satisfies us all in terms of, of uh, making, all the, making sure all the boxes are checked and making sure that we've, we've adequately tested it and, and um, have done it right. But that's certainly on a lot of folks' radar as how we're going to, to cross that bridge. Yeah. Okay. So we we should try to to uh, take Illumos to events, maybe as a as an uh, on top of an existing event. Till has already named some programming languages uh, uh, where he is involved with, for example, Go. So, do you have any any wishes for the future of uh, Beehive, Illumos, uh, program languages, or so? Well, I know that. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. Still, uh, we. I would very much like to get .NET Core uh, ported over. So we actually have, like, the last big foundation of enterprise application things where we actually still find uh, a lot of Illumos people running stuff. So it's like, oh, yeah, you, not only the file server that runs SMB runs an OmniOSE, it can also now be running the applications that the people are writing. Other wishes for the future of Illumos OpenCFS Beehive? I have a more general wish, if I may say that. I have uh, put in the issue of funding, and I've been talking to a lot of people and um, there are ways to get funding uh, to uh, actually produce parts of Illumos to make Illumos better. But the first step is to define the problem. So um, if you want to have something done, first you have to find out what you actually want to do. And it would be nice if there were some uh, central repository or some documentation site or whatever, um, like an RFC or just a simple description of what is missing. Um, for example, Hans and I had a long conversation and we identified issues that could be fixed in Illumos. But the first hard work is to actually define those issues. And was there prior work? Who can do the work? Where is the source code if there is any source code stored? And it's very hard to find this information. And uh, maybe someone has a bit of time, someone has a certain interest, and it's very hard for them to find a place where they can where they can start work, like a, a bite-sized issue, for example. So my wish would be um, state your wishes and write up the problem. Maybe someone will come and help you. Maybe the um, IPD is would be would be useful for that something so far, like that I think, yes. yeah they're only only used by people who are actually starting a project so they describe it there if it's something not many big, people but, know about them i think yeah that that's one one issue certainly the other is that if you just uh, write something up so someone else will do it uh, i don't know how well received that would be but um i can see the, the merit of doing that okay maybe, maybe that would be the the place to do it. Thank you all. I think we are finished uh, for today. I hope to record another episode in in the near future, maybe in a few months, uh, if you like. If there are topics um, 
to be to be talked about in a podcast i would be happy to hear from you i will try to release uh, the podcast on the uh, popular podcast uh, platforms so i hope this podcast helps a lot uh, in with the Illumos project and beehive and open cfs and i would like to thank patrick uh, for your informations news on beehive Uh, Michael had already uh, to leave the podcast uh, for another appointment. Uh, so thank you, Michael. And uh, thank you, Till and Hans and Volker. Um, I hope it was fun for you. And if you want to have, have a, f a final word, um, then please now. Well, thanks, Patrick. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Likewise. Thanks, everyone. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.